0: Slide that said, be generous. And he's like, oh, I noticed you kind of skipped that slide. And it's like, well, yeah, because you were the next slide. So I was all nervous about getting to you that I forgot about the uh, be generous uh, slide. And he was fine with it, kind of laughed. But um, we are so fortunate that um, this church calendar year for the Wesleyan denomination goes from May till April. So two years ago, the first year of COVID, we had the best giving year ever for this local church. I don't know why i don't know how i just know on paper you can see it was the best giving year ever so we thank you for being a part of that this last year it was not the best giving year ever but it was certainly a good year when we were trying to reassemble we've only been back here since october And it's just amazing to see how God continues to provide that attitude, not just of gratitude, but of generosity that Arlene spoke to and how God continues to bless us. And I do believe, I feel as though it's not so we can get bigger, better things. It's so that we can give and help and reach into people's lives and let them know that the church cares, whether they ever attend this local church or not, that God cares for them and he has a plan for their life. So we thank you. For your continued gifts, whether online, whether in person, or uh, just mailing checks to the chapel, as uh, many people do. So we are so fortunate to have those that continue to give uh, back to God as God would have us do. But uh, as we look at uh, the sermon this morning... I was trying to think, like, where do we go from here? Like, last week, we had the baby dedication. We had Kieran Oliver White dedicated. We had a brunch, and then we did the sidewalk chalk. And I think it was my daughter. It could have been my wife or someone said, oh, pulling out all of the stops because your boss is here last week. It's like, well, no, it's not necessarily – well, maybe it was. But no, because uh, it was at the end of spring break, so just it made sense to do the sidewalk chalk. And, with... and so, anyway – Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it was one of those opportunities where we actually got to be the church, and I received an email from the school, and I said, hopefully it wasn't just a mess to clean up for whoever's on staff, and uh, she said, no, everybody that she spoke to was so encouraged, teachers, students alike, by walking in and seeing those messages, so thank you uh, for taking part with that. But then where do we go now? Like Easter's over, Mother's Day's coming, so happy May. And uh, remember that next week is Mother's Day. So if you need to handwrite a card or order some flowers or dad go behind a flower shop where they have flowers that are no longer, you know, able to be sold, you could grab those and pick those up for mom like years past. But uh, we do want to say happy Mother's Day. But it's kind of like, well, where do we go now? Because we just had the biggest seller celebration of the Christian church. It was all, look what God has done. He's alive. Jesus is with us. This is awesome. But where do we go now? And so we look at Luke 24, 49 through 51, as we finished last week. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This was Jesus saying, hey, stay here And wait, but I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Then he, Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. This was Jesus leaving them again. The expression left in the lurch. I don't even know what a lurch is, but I know that's an expression. They felt like they were left in the lurch again. Like Jesus, you just, we watched you, we witnessed you being brutally beaten, being uh, crucified, being buried, and you left us. And we were so excited to see see you again we're so excited to see on the third day that you rose again but now hey where are you going what just happened not again like what now like what what are we supposed to do and that could have been your thought it certainly would have been my thought i believe and we just wonder this is from Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four gospels in the New Testament, the different accounts. And so we look at Matthew's account. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This was before Jesus ascended, before Jesus left him. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. You, these are the disciples, the ones that follow Jesus, the one that had breakfast with Jesus, the ones that witnessed Jesus praying, the ones that witnessed Jesus just being uh, brutally beaten, the ones that witnessed Jesus coming back, and they got to see Jesus again on this mountain where Jesus said, come, and I'm going to show up. But some of them doubted. Why did they doubt? Was this just like doubting Thomas, where they're a realist, and they just wanted to see? Or was this doubting of, I got my hopes up at the resurrection, that you would take over, that you would have power, that you would rule this government. And now, Jesus, everything I hoped that you would become, everything I thought you would become, it's not going to happen. Jesus, why did I put my hope in you? This is false hope. Uh, our church, local church name is Living Hope Wesleyan. Somebody said living is kind of redundant. Like you don't want to be the false hope Wesleyan church. You want to be the no hope Wesleyan church. You." But Living Hope is kind of redundant because if you have hope, you have that belief that Jesus is there, that God is with you. Why do we doubt that God has a plan for your life when the Lord... From Mark, John Mark, who uh, got his insight from Peter. Peter was the one that uh, many of us can relate to. He was brash. He was uh, arrogant. But he said, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. They were with Jesus again. Jesus was alive. This was 10 days after now, I don't know if you remember the movie Top Gun. Uh, I don't even know if it's appropriate, this quote, but I remember there was Goose. You remember Goose? And then Maverick, they're like, where'd he go? And they're like, where'd who go? That's what I remember from the movie. I thought I'd put it in here because it, it's like, Jesus, like, where'd he go? And then people are like, where'd who go? It's like, well, Jesus, the one that resurrected, like the one that's alive, the one that we believe in, the one that's going to rule, like, where'd he go? Well, it was 10 days. Ten days. I was correct last week, just for the record. Ten days from the point that Jesus ascended until the Holy Spirit came. It was ten days where you could have felt no hope. You could have felt lost. You could have felt like... Jesus, we just survived three days of you being buried, descended to hell in the tomb. We could have said like three days, but then you came back. What is going on with this 10 days of waiting for you to show up again? 10 days of waiting until the Holy Spirit comes. What is going on? If you are like some of us, when my dad was away, the expression always came: "When the cat's away, the mice will play." Like my mom, she was a strong disciplinarian, but her spankings never hurt. So uh, it was one of those things: like you knew not, you like what not to do, but if you did it, so you just thought like. Ah, so Jesus is leaving, and he's going to send you a gift. And there could have been like, well, Jesus is away, so I can get away with what I want. I can take advantage of the situation. I can kind of uh, manipulate how I think God's going to work. But these disciples, they were changed. They did not have this frame of mind because they knew what Jesus was going to do. And they, in Romans chapter 12, Understood. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, even when Jesus is not with you, standing next to you. You're going to live differently. You're going to allow Jesus to transform your mind. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is Paul writing, and in this uh, letter, he's saying, like, Because Jesus is not here, now the Holy Spirit had come, but we can't think we can get away with things because we can't see the physical Jesus in front of us. The Holy Spirit is moving and at work. In verse 3, that gets left out often by myself because I just want to quote verses 1 and 2. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Maybe it was a King James or how I memorized. Don't think of yourself more than you should. You are not great because you got to see Jesus. You are not great because Jesus forgave you. You are not uh, lifted up because you have this relationship with God. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Much like the testimony my father gave that, It's not me. It's what Jesus has done in my life. It's be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. It's not I am lifted up. I have power. It's like, no, but because of what Jesus has done in my life, then I can come humbly and say, hey, I just want to share the truth of Jesus with you. I was uh having a conversation with someone. This person said that they're a Christian, and I got all excited. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's me and pastors. We're a weird bunch. Like, you have to admit, and you know different pastors, and you've been to different churches, so you can say amen. Not that we want it to be, but it, it really is. But pastors are kind of weird, because if somebody says a Christian, it's like, awesome. So are you a born-again Christian, or whatever. And then they answer, well, are you this or that or this or that? It says like, instead of just saying like, do you follow Jesus? Do you love him? Is he the one that leads you? We start asking all of these questions. But this person that told me that they were a Christian and they said, well, you know, the 10 commandments, right? And I said, yes, I do. And then they said, well, you know, in the 10 commandments where it says to turn the other cheek, I'm like 10 commandments, turn the other cheek. I don't know if that one's in there. And they said, well, you know, like if somebody slaps you, I have a really hard time turning the other cheek and letting them slap me again. Like Ten Commandments, man, it's been a while since I was in Bible college, but I don't know if that's one of the Ten Commandments. But they started talking and where I was caught was, if I can be honest, I was like more concerned about this person He turned the other cheek was one of the Ten Commandments. Then the fact that this person who professed to be a Christian was trying to get closer to God, like it was so overwhelming to me. It's like that's not one of the Ten Commandments. Like let's go through the Ten Commandments, get that point that we can move into the conversation. But well, that wasn't even the point of what she was trying to express. She was just saying like I have a hard time living my faith when people put me down. It's like oh. Oh, yes, we can have a conversation of that. But I was stuck, and sometimes we get stuck in our righteousness. And it's not about how many memory verses you know or you can quote. It's about how do you show kindness to your neighbor? How do you show people that God loves them, that he cares for them? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as Jesus was leaving, he gave the disciples a command. This is known as the Great Commission. I've given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Many of you have probably heard this message before, but it's as you go, as you're walking, as you drive to work, as you walk into that client's office, as you go, as you go, as you go, you're already going. So live that life that reflects Jesus as you go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit baptizing. This is one thing with Kieran. It's a baby dedication, and I just wanted to share this because I hope we have several uh, baptisms this year. A dedication... Is when when uh, Kenny and Kellen said, we as Christian parents want to dedicate Kieran to the Lord. We as a congregation want uh the people of this congregation to dedicate, to pray, and commit to lifting up Kieran, that he would understand the scripture. So we want to dedicate him that he would be surrounded by the truth of Jesus. And baptism is, hey, I've been baptized and I want everybody to know it. So that's a subtle difference between dedication and baptism. That's why it's... I have to be careful I don't get too deep in theology. You can come to a member's class if you want to uh, know all the details. The Wesleyan Church does allow for infant baptism as well as dedication, but I would promote dedication over because uh, baptism is, hey, I'm a Christian, I want everybody to know. Dedication is we are going to do everything possible to display, to reveal, to promote, to share, to uh, give that understanding of who Jesus is to this child. So they were to baptize and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus saying, I'm with you always, just before he's saying, bye-bye. What? I'm with you always. Don't forget it. Hey, I'm headed to the Father. We'll see you later. You know what I said. What? It, teach these disciples to obey all the commands. What is the command? Love God with everything He got. And love your neighbor as yourself love God with everything you have, everything you hope to be, love him with your core, love him with your emotions, love him with who you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the command that you're supposed to teach. And Mark, he says, the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said with many miraculous signs. It was not when the cat's away, the mice will play. It's like, no, we are on mission. We have a purpose now. We know that God loves us, and even though Jesus has left us physically, he's promised us a gift. He's promised us a He's promised us something that's going to sustain us and help us and give us the power to overcome because you are witnesses of all these things. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send you the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Ten days, wait, ten days, wait for God's gift. Ten days later, then Jesus led them. To Bethany, lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They worshiped him when he left because they knew of a promise that was coming, Advent, Christmas season, the promise of Jesus coming. What well, we celebrate the second coming of Jesus, which technically, if you look at it, it's kind of like the third coming. Jesus came as a baby, then he died, then he came back. So that's kind of like the second coming. Then he's in heaven, then he's coming back. So I don't want to, uh, you could probably say I'm a heretic. I don't want to confuse the issue, but it's like, hey, three times he's going to come back. But that's what we celebrate, the anticipation. There's great joy knowing that God is going to return and and come for us, and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. I will say, Much to my mom's chagrin, we do not want you showing up at the chapel campus and, you know, bringing uh, sleeping bags and just hanging out there forever just because, you know, the Bible said they're in the temple the whole time. No, we want to put your faith in action, not just say, hey, let's build a a house so we can just stay here and worship God. No, Jesus said that there is a place that we need to live and show and declare God's love to You are to be my witnesses, to be my participants, to be those involved, to be those that are included, to be the ones that God has appeared to because in acts of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit. Once again, Jesus, before the ascension, remember Luke, he has to uh, tell kind of the backstory before he gets into the second writing. He has to share a little bit of what took place. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. The Father is sending you a gift. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, interview some guy. This guy is like big in leadership and he's just a cool guy. And uh, he mentioned um, somehow it came up that my daughter is graduating high school and he says, hey, make sure she sends me an invitation. It's like, okay. And he said, well, you know what it means to get a graduation invitation. It means I will mail her a check if she sends me an invitation. It's like I will make sure that she does that because, you know, I'll just put in mind. But anyway, and so if you are promised that something is going to happen in return, why would you? I don't know, Jesus, like you promised you'd send me a gift, but I don't, I'm good. I don't want it. You promise, like you're going to send me a check. You're going to hand me some cash. It's going to be like one of those things. But oh, I'm good. I I don't want it. That's either stupidity or arrogance, either or wrong. And the Holy Spirit is saying, or God is telling us the Holy Spirit is being sent. Wait for the gifts. So wait for what he has promised. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized with this overwhelming sense, presence, the true being of Jesus, that he's going to be with you, that wherever you go, he's going to unite your heart to draw you closer to him. And sometimes... Because Pentecost, and if you read the Bible, there's some weird things that happen. So we're like, oh, baptized with the Holy Spirit. We don't want those weird things to happen. So it doesn't matter what happens, it matters who is baptizing you. Are you open to who Jesus is? That you will not just be baptized in the physical with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit that seeps down to the very core of who you are, seeps into your pores, your emotions, that restores you, that you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, that, that passion, that purpose, that understanding that God has something for you is your motivation, what do, makes the determination for you to go forward in Him. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? This is funny to me because God, Jesus just promised, like, I'm going to give you a gift. And like, wait, I know what the gift is. I'm going to be like the governor of that area. Or, oh, you're going to give me a gift. Oh, I haven't figured out, God. Like, uh the gift is I'm going to be in charge of this group here. Like, can I be in charge of this group? And Jesus is like, you guys are missing the whole point. The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, and you're even thinking of the wrong things. He's not thinking of a physical earthly kingdom. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witnesses. If you look on the Old Testament, it's actually a New Testament map, but if you look in the maps, this would be, you'll be my witnesses in Duxbury. You're going to be my witnesses in New England. You're going to be my witnesses to the Northeast. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It's going to be who you wake up in the same house with, who you go to work with, where you like to go on vacation, into the ends of the earth. This is where you're going to be my witnesses. You this is where you're going to participate with sharing the love of Jesus wherever you go. And if you're like, well, I don't want to go to China. I don't want to go to Uganda. I don't want to go to well you don't have to start there. You can start right where you are. And as you go, make disciples as God just opens doors with conversations. Maybe it's new bosses or different employees or people you don't even like. But for whatever reason, you're standing at the water cooler together. You could just be the hope that they need, the hope of Jesus that says that there is peace for you because God has come to give salvation and forgiveness and freedom. Freedom. God's come to that. We might have freedom now that we would be like, oh, I'm a Christian and it's miserable. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I don't like you and I don't like being here. But I can't wait till I get to heaven because at least I have something to look forward to. This is not what God has called us to. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And they strain. Just read this. Uh, well, we can. I'll read it first, and we can read it together out loud. And they strain to see him rising into heaven. Can you? Can you imagine? Like they strain. Like there he goes. Like if if somebody said, "I'm going to give you a gift, but I have to go so I can get the gift to give you," and we're so concerned about. It. No, they're walking away. No, like where are they going. Like I'm straining. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, read this next uh, phrase with me. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? It seems like, well, because Jesus just left. Like, I know you look like an angel, but you're not very smart. Like, I'm staring into heaven because Jesus just left. And why are you standing here staring into heaven? Why are you so spiritually minded you are no earthly good? Why do you say you care about people, but all you care about is this agenda or this talking point or this soapbox? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Jesus is going because he has a plan for your life. He has a gift for you. Why are you just longing to go back to normal? When every revival and every generation that saw revival had Jesus move in a very different way than what they experienced before. Well, Jeff, I loved when the church was full of kids and I miss that family. So do I. Well, Jeff, I miss like when, uh, I don't even know what those laws were called, when everything was closed on Sunday. It was like Chick-fil-A for the world. It was everything was closed on Sunday. I miss those days. But Jesus is still with us, and he has a plan for us to live in this day. The hope that he has for us, the life that he's given to us, the fact that we can accommodate those around us by the truth of Scripture, not just because we think it'd be better, but because God is big enough to work. In those ways why are you standing here staring longing looking back saying those were the good old days there's a story I forget the whole thing and I'll mess it up but the only point that I remember is the good old days when you thought you were pulling up socks but it wasn't socks at all it was just all the good old days had turned to loose skin and anyway I just remember that The good old days, they weren't that good. You lost your memory. You're thinking like there's great things in the past. And all that was great is the fact that Jesus saved you to be useful today. don't stand looking at the past. Say, God, how can you use us now to have authority in heaven and on earth because we are yours, that we would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them that God loves them. And all we need to do is love him back and love our neighbor as ourselves. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is with us. We don't even have to wait 10 days now. The Holy Spirit's already come. The Holy Spirit's with us. They had to wait. They had to figure it out. They had to think and process. But we have the Holy Spirit with us that is wooing us, that is speaking to us, that's nurturing us and just saying, I am your comforter. I'm the one that gives meaning. I'm the one that cares for you. I am the one that says you are not alone. I am the one that sees you in the middle of tragedy. I am the one that sees you trying to deconstruct your faith. I'm the one that sees you questioning, is God even real? I am the one that is with you no matter what. I love you. I care about you. I offer salvation for you and for you to share with others. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So, Where do we go from here after Easter's done and Mother's Day's next week? But, well, we understand that the Holy Spirit's with us, and he has a plan for a life, and he wants us to teach others that there is great hope and peace in him. Even when your life might feel like it's in a mess, God has a plan. God is with you, and you know what? God uses people to encourage you. Well, Jeff, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't like to talk to people. Do you like to obey God? Because maybe, I'm not saying you will, but maybe you don't like to talk to people, but God's like pressuring you and saying, oh, I really want you to be an encouragement to this person. So all you have to do is say, I'm praying for you. Or you say, hey, what's your child's name? I I just want to pray for them. You don't have to go like a huge stretch of faith unless God calls you to that stretch of faith. And maybe you're like, oh, I just want to tell everybody. I want to stand up and preach. I want to pass out gospel tracts. I want to. And God's like, no, you need to slow down because your zeal is going to turn people off. Your excitement does not reflect Jesus, but it reflects an exuberance that you're promoting yourself instead of promoting who Jesus is. And so be still and you know. And let them know that I am God and not you. When we think about it, it's pretty simple, this Christian life. But in application, it's one of the most difficult things you're ever going to do. It's work out your salvation with fear and trembling, trusting Jesus, believing in him. But after the Holy Spirit's given, there's a great command. Not, well, I'm going to have fun until Jesus returns and I'm going to heaven. But man, until Jesus returns, there's those in my family, there's those in my neighborhood, there's those that I work with that they need to know the hope of Jesus. So we've done this before, and it's not too crazy or different, but um, I want you to with your eyes open, looking up, you can stand up, you can sit down, doesn't matter. I want you to think of somebody that you would like us to pray for, for their salvation. If you want to say their first name, if you want to just say their first initial, that's fine. But uh, who is someone we as the congregation of Living Hope Wesleyan Church can join you in praying for, that they would know the salvation, hope, and freedom of Jesus? So this Christian life, as I just alluded to, it's not easy. I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy. But what if God wanted to grow our congregation, not so that we could have a beautiful building or whatever you think makes an awesome church, but so people actually uh, have a hope Um There was a report, uh, I think it's either Reuters News or Time Magazine, they said that last year had the most um, offenses of gun violence uh, within the younger generation, I think it's uh, 14 to 21, 14 to 22, that demographic that they've ever seen. And 30% of those were suicides. And so they were trying to ask, like, why, why, why? And I, I don't know why. I just kind of think, like, if people don't have hope, if people feel like that's the only way out, we as a church need to be sharing Jesus more than whatever else we think is important. So maybe you don't know people's names or the principal's name or those that are playing soccer and we think, why are they playing indoor soccer? They should be at church. Well, maybe they just need to know that God loves them. And so we'll figure out how to reach our neighbors with Jesus because that's what we need to do. Coming to church is great. I'm glad you come. But live in Jesus the rest of the week. That's pretty, pretty important as well. But please stand as we just dismiss in prayer. Oh, God, we thank you that we are not alone We thank you for your promises and we thank you that the gift that you've already given us, may we boldly receive your spirit. May we dare to open up all that you have for us. May we allow you to change our lives, to reflect your goodness. May we believe that you've created us as a masterpiece, that we are not only your children and your friends, but we are dearly loved by you. And God, we just thank you that you give us opportunity to meet, people that do not know you, to work with those that seem far from you, to be available to a society, to a culture that doesn't even know your name except for a profanity. So, God, may we love you in such a way where we display you. As you change us, may your Holy Spirit bring others closer to the realization of your hope, your peace, your freedom. We thank you, Father, for this time together. And I say in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you are this.